The word says we're called to make disciples. We're growing in the word of God. Jesus Christ was sent to be our saviour. This is the Bromley Town Church Podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message, blessing you as you live out God's word. Stream or download other sermon podcasts via the Bromley Town Church website or by using the SoundCloud app. Head over to bromleytownchurch.com. It's good for us to be energetic and connected together. It's good to see you in the house of God. I trust that you have had a good week and that God has been good to you. He has been good to us because we're here again this week. We might have been through a few ups and downs this week, there's no doubt about that, but we're here and God has been good to us. He's given us health and strength and we thank him for that. Yes, we're looking at being BTC and as you know, if you've been here over the last few weeks or if you've been watching online, we've been looking at various aspects of the church, different things. Why do we meet on Sundays? Uh, We're talking about prayer and things like that. And this week, we're going to be looking at reaching out with the good news, reaching out with the good news. I felt a little bit caught there because when Mark was sharing, excellently, by the way, Mark, um, I was thinking, well, that's my sermon he's talking there. But that was, uh, without us organizing, that's always good to know that God is doing things ahead of us. I'm sure if you've opened your papers or looked at your mobile phone in the news this week, you will know something about a climate conference that's been going on. I'm sure there's nobody that hasn't actually noticed that. The COP conference. And I had to look up, what is this COP? You keep hearing about COP26. What does that mean? I know it's a climate conference. What does it mean? COP means conference of parties. I found that out. So that made me feel a lot better. Well, it's a conference of parties. And it's the number 26. It's actually the 26th annual United Nations Climate Change Conference. And that was taking place in... uh, Glasgow. I'm glad I remembered that. Stuart would be very upset if I didn't remember Glasgow. Uh, So there you go, Stuart. Uh, So that's where it was taking place. And obviously the, the reason the conference is coming together is because the whole nations around the world are coming together to seek a solution of the problem of carbon dioxide. The more carbon dioxide that we produce, the more that we're adding to this layer in the atmosphere. And as that layer is being established in the atmosphere around the globe, which it has done and is increasing, then if we continue to increase the amount of CO2 that we're producing, then the actual median temperature of the planet is going up. And as the temperature of the planet goes up, so the ice caps begin to melt, so the level of the sea starts to rise, and there are many ongoing problems from that. I'm sure you're aware of it. But because the uh, conference was held in Glasgow, then our Prime Minister was able to give the first speech. And he gave the first speech at the conference, and I'm just going to read to you a little bit of what he said. Now, this is not political from that point of view, as you'll see as we go on. So Boris gets up and he says this, We are pumping carbon into the air faster and faster, record outputs, and quilting the earth in an invisible and suffocating blanket of CO2, raising the temperature of the planet with a speed and an abruptness that is entirely man-made. And we know that the scientists tell us, and we've learned not to ignore them, two degrees more, and we jeopardize the food supply for hundreds of millions of people as crops wither, locusts swarm. Three degrees, and you can add more wildfires and cyclones twice as many of them, five times as many droughts, 36 times as many heat waves, four degrees, 
and we say goodbye to whole cities, Miami, Alexandria, Shanghai, all lost beneath the waves. And the longer we fail to act, the worse it gets, and the higher the price when we are eventually forced by catastrophe to act because humanity has long since run down the clock on climate change. It's one minute to midnight on that doomsday clock, and we need to act now. If we don't get serious about climate change today, it will be too late for our children to do so tomorrow. So that's part of the speech that Boris gave. And I saw some of that being recorded in the news, and it struck me. So many governments, so many nations are coming together to engage on this issue of climate change simply because we're all growing aware or all growing in our understanding of the impending problems that they are around the world and the catastrophe that awaits for us. It's a very, very serious situation. And it's good to know that there's a growing realization that this problem is actually going to affect millions and millions of people around the world. And of course, I'm sure many people here will be getting concerned about this. And yet, there is a far more pressing problem that we are all facing. The message that Boris gave where he said, it is one minute to midnight on that doomsday clock and we need to act now, that message should be preached by all of us around the world. Every, creature, uh, every Christian preaching and every church proclaiming that message. Because we know that Jesus Christ, who came to bear the sin of the world, he left this earth with this message. I'm coming back. I'm coming back in the same way that you have seen me go. He's not coming back a second time to make adjustments to sin or anything like that. But he's coming back bringing the fullness of salvation to us, but also bringing the end of all things and bringing at that time the judgment that is going to come for what every person has done. The dead will rise to receive their judgment. The living will come together to receive their judgment. And then the end of all things will come. Now, as Christians, we have heard about this, and indeed we read about it. Matthew chapter 25, 31 to 34, and then verse 41 say this. But when the Son of Man, that is, when Jesus Christ comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit upon his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered in his presence, and he will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. Verse 41, Then the king will turn to those on the left and say, Away with you, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. The great seriousness of Jesus' second coming is this, that there's going to be punishment for those who don't know God and who don't walk with him. And Paul talks of this, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 7 to 9. When the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels, he will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. 
They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. Now, I know many of you say, well, Jonathan, thank you for this wonderful, uplifting message that we're receiving today. The thing is, unless we as Christians understand the seriousness of the situation that is being faced, we'll do nothing about it. That's what the conference was all about. Climate change. Listen, folks, unless we do something, the level of the seas is going to rise and there are going to be whole communities. As we heard, if it goes up four degrees, the scientists are saying, then the effect on the earth is that the city of Shanghai, with the millions of Chinese who live there, will be underwater. Not to mention all of the other places where crops can no longer be grown, etc., etc. And people are saying, hang on a second, this is where I live. This is beginning to affect me. If it wasn't for the Thames barrier, then those of us living in central, around London would also be experiencing great flooding. It's going to affect us. Do you know what? It's not that we must push this away any longer. We must do something about it. And so all the people are saying, like, climate change is the big thing. No, no, no. Climate change is a problem that we are facing because of the sin of mankind. The big thing is that unless somebody is born again, he faces an eternity without Jesus Christ. That is the big thing. And for us in church, we need to get hold of the big thing. (gasps) The big thing is that I've now got to plant a tree and I've got to make sure I'm carbon neutral and I've got to do all those things. And please, I've got to use my plastic sensibly and I mustn't throw that bottle of water into the sea anymore. All of those things we know about and they are sensible and we need to get hold of them. Because that's about living and causing our planet to be looked after. But we can care so much for the planet that we forget about the souls of the people who are around us. They may not be able to grow food, which is one issue. But when they're facing an eternity without God, it is a completely different issue. And these are nothing for us to be surprised about. We've heard about it. But you know what? These are the type of passages we say, it's not quite so palatable. Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. And it's true. Jesus does love us. He loved us so much that he knew of the impending gloom that he came with his son to deal with our sin. That which separates us from him that we might know an eternity with him. And we need to get hold of that. This is the message that the church must preach. This is the hour it must be proclaimed because the time of Jesus' coming is coming back quicker and quicker. Charles Spurgeon said this, he says, We can look back upon past sins with deep sorrow and yet with no dread of any penalty to come. And that's so true. See, what we do is we look at our lives and say, I really regret having done that. I really regret that decision, that relationship, that thing that I got into, that sin that I got myself into. I regret that. But the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin without forgiveness is a separation from God for eternity. And that is what we need to get hold of. You know, when the serpent came and spoke to Eve, he said, like, if you take that fruit, you... She said, oh, we're going to die if we eat that fruit. The serpent says, you won't die, but you will become like God. So she eats this fruit, and you know what? She didn't drop dead at that moment. And so there's a sense in which she thought, do you know what? You're right. Not realizing all of the unseen things that were happening around us, how the actually spiritual death had been brought not only to her, but to the whole of mankind. At that moment, 
Satan is a liar and a deceiver. And he always wants to take you to a place where you think, okay, it's not going to happen. Sin corrupts completely. Totally. And whilst we see people who say, well, they're good people, they're doing good things. Human beings have been created in the image of God and they have the capacity to do marvelous and wonderful things. But unless their souls are saved from the corruption of the sin with which they were born, they will not see the light of God. That's the truth. It's unpalatable. But the reason it should affect us and take hold of us is because it's unpalatable and therefore we have something that we can do. We can take the good news that Jesus came to save. He came to redeem. He came to buy us back from that dreadful situation. To bring a transformation of our position. To bring us back into relationship with God. Listen, if you're thinking about climate change and you're concerned and would like to preach about it, can I say to you, that is good. But can we take hold of the most pressing issue? The hour is ticking. If Boris can talk about the doomsday clock coming to that last few moments because of what is being seen about the planet, why is it that the church cannot stand up and say, wait a minute, the return of Jesus Christ is coming even sooner. Because he will come before the end. He will appear and then the time will finish. And it will be too late for people to be saved. Now is the time of salvation. Behold, now is the day of something else. I can't quite, that's off the top of my head. There's apathy, there's numbness, there's slumber about these things. That's the truth. Anything unpalatable, you know what it's like at home. The, the difficult thing, you know the difficult dirty jobs? I'll leave it till tomorrow. That's just ordinary things. We want to put off the things that are unpalatable. That's just a natural part of how we are. We want to live in joy and celebration and goodness and wonder all the time. We know it's an unreality because that doesn't represent life. But nevertheless, it's more preferable than going through the hard times. It's more preferable. But when it comes to the eternity of men and women's souls, we have to face the fact it's unpalatable, but it's true. Sin destroys the enemy, if you look at what Satan is like, he is a liar. He's always been like that from the very beginning. He does not know how to tell the truth and he always operates in deception to confuse you. That is his character. Oh, but I like doing those things. They bring me pleasure. Pleasure for a moment but an eternity without Jesus. We need to see people coming to know him. Let's just remember the heart of God. Peter says this, Peter 3 verse 9, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Do you hear the heart of God? He does not want anyone to perish. He does not want anyone to perish, but he wants everyone to come to repentance. That's the position that God the Father, the one who will orchestrate the judgment of the world, that's the heart that he comes with, which of course is why he sent his son Jesus. I must do something to rescue this people. That's his heart. And Paul stirs us with these words. He said to Timothy, 
in the presence of God and of, of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. In other words, Paul was saying to Timothy, listen, we know this is going to happen. We're aware of this is going to happen. We're aware that Jesus is going to come back. This is what we're living for. He's coming back to bring the fullness of salvation. We may say we're saved now because we have an understanding that our sin has been dealt with by Jesus. But you call this earth salvation? No, no, no. There is a greater salvation. There is a fullness of salvation. There is being taken to the place where there is no more sin, where there is no more death, where there's no more crying, where there will be no more tears. We're being taken to a place where we're in his presence forever. That is salvation. When Satan and all his foes are actually dealt with and we are completely released in the presence of God. Now, using the lightness or connecting things to the climate change conference, there's in no way that I'm saying that that isn't important because it's important for us to look after our planet. But this is a far more pressing need. And it's something that should affect us as the church. It's something that we as a church want to fully engage with. Jesus is coming again. The time is running short. That's as much as Jesus coming and in the time for me to finish the sermon. And many people still do not know about him or the salvation that he freely offers. We want to see people being set free from that judgment. We want to see people being liberated for the kingdom of God. We want to see them coming into the light and out of darkness. We want to see people knowing and experiencing the forgiveness of their sin and the joy of salvation that can be found in Jesus. Three quick points to finish with. The urgency of the situation. We sense an urgency rising in these days. An urgency not just because we're talking about climate change. An urgency because we've just been through a pandemic which none of us here have ever experienced before. There's something that is affecting the world. There's something that's changing in the world. There's something that we're being made aware of that is greater than us. And yes, that includes COVID-19. It includes climate crisis it includes the fact that we know in our society it seems to be growing more and more humanistic. The fact of God and his existence seems to be being dismissed. And we know that Jesus is coming again. Matthew 24 tells us as his people, God's people, so you too must keep watch for you don't know what day the Lord is coming. We don't know when he's coming. It could be this afternoon. It could be tomorrow. It could be during the night. But this is our importance. What we have to take hold of is that we don't know, therefore we want to make sure we are ready. There is an urgency for us to act, and that is the urgency of the situation. The concern, second point, the concern for the present. We may have an urgency of the situation, but what is the concern for the present? The concern that we have right now is this. We should feel the shortness of the hour. We're aware that as we look at the world today and the situations of the world, there is something that is happening that is bigger than us. And we're aware and we feel slightly fearful of that. But listen... 
the end has not yet come. That is also true. Whilst we're talking about the fact Jesus is coming, and whilst we don't know when that is and how we need to be ready for it, there's also this which is a slight comfort for us, a great comfort for us, is this fact, is that he has not come yet. And therefore, every one of those people who we're aware of, who do not know Jesus, who do not know forgiveness of their sins, there is still time for us to reach them. There is still time for us to engage with them. Reinhard Bonnke, to quote him, says this, We are to plunder hell to populate heaven for Calvary's sake. That's what he drove his ministry on. I am here to actually plunder hell. I'm here to go there and to get hold of the souls that are there and to bring them into the kingdom of God. Paul says this, Romans 1 verse 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. So often we think it's, what are my words, my testimony, my ability to communicate? It's got to be top-notch. It's got to be the best. And I'm not saying we don't want to offer our best, but I need to let you know some truth. You really can do nothing to see anybody saved. But God, through you, can do all things. And it is His power. It is His gospel. And you know what? The gospel, even the Bible says, the gospel sounds like foolishness to those who are perishing. But for us who believe, it is the power of God for our salvation. And that is the truth. What other people say, oh, you don't believe in all that sort of stuff, do you? Yes, I do, because he has bought me peace. He brings me joy. His presence changes everything. I can't describe in one sense what he is like. But I know this, that without him I am a lesser person. But with him I am transformed. You see, we we think about polishing our message. I just want to remind you this. The message can come across confused in all sorts of ways. But know this, it is the power of God, the gospel, that God came to save sinners such as you and me, and to set people free from their sins and the bondage of their sins. The gospel itself is the power of God that has the ability to set men and women free. Paul reminded his co-worker Timothy of it. He said, here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. That's why he came. He came to rescue people. He came to set people free. And here's a truth that Paul also writes about in Romans 10. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But then he goes on to say, how then can they call on the one they've not believed in? Well, so true. And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? Well, even more true. So he goes on to say, and how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And we come back to the responsibility that we didn't know that we've been given. But we were appointed in our lives to have connection with the people in our world for a purpose. Do you remember last week we were talking about the fact of how we as Christians are his hands, his feet, his body. Here upon the earth. And as his hands, his feet, his body, 
We're here to minister the good news of Jesus Christ to those around us. What if they don't want to hear? What if they won't listen to me? What if I've got faltering words? Do you know what? I'll be the first person to put my hand up with all of those are problems for me. But I also know this. Unless they hear or unless somebody tells them, how are they going to be saved? And that is also a truth. Our concern for the present is this, that there is still time because Jesus hasn't come back yet. The gospel has not lost its power. It's still the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. But there is a personal responsibility that we all have and that we're all engaged with because unless we go, how will people hear? Well, how? When do we go? Peter says this, that we should always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. We should always be ready. And I know sometimes we think, well, I don't know quite where to start. I don't know what to say. I would agree, those are often problems, and we can train ourselves in, in knowing things to say. But right now, I also want to say to you this. Who you are and the people you have around you, just share with them something about Jesus. But we need to act. And so thirdly, here is our opportunity for action. Christmas, we've mentioned about Christmas is coming. You see that? The coffee shops have now got their Christmas mugs out. You know, as soon as the Halloween finishes, right now, as far as retail is concerned, this is it. This is the big push for Christmas. The Christmas lights are beginning to go up on the lampposts in Bromley High Street. We know that Christmas is coming, and there's a great enjoyment in all of that. But as Charlotte mentioned earlier, it is a time when people sometimes will say, actually, I don't mind going to church. And we're going to be having our carol concert, as we usually do. Yes, we've done that before. We're going to have two carol concerts. We're pushing things out a little bit. We're having two carol services at 4.30 and 7 p.m. on the 19th of December here. And here's the problem. We don't have enough people for two services. It's as simple as that. We could all come twice. We'll all try and fill it up. That's not the object. The object is to say there is plenty of space here for us to invite people. Oh, I knew this was going to come up. I don't like inviting people. You know, no, no, I find it difficult. So I just want to put some, take some burdens off you all. I just want you to say, use this week to think, who is it that I could invite? Because, you know, there's some people in your family members, oh, look, I've tried that and it didn't work last time. And maybe I will. I'll just see how it goes. Okay, see how it goes. But you see, the thing with all of us is there are so many people in our world, there are people who God would like you to invite. And we just need to give ourselves some time and space to think, who could that be? Maybe it's the person in the shop that you visit every morning just to buy a coffee or something. Maybe that's the person that you could give an invitation card to. We will be producing flyers so that you have something to give to somebody because it makes it so much more easy to be able to give something. That's for us in the church. But you know what we're also going to do? We're going to produce about 600 letters that we're going to put through the doors of the people around here. A letter in an envelope so that they don't just say, oh, no, it's just one of those flyers. I'm going to throw that away. But they say, oh, I might, this could, dear neighbor, I better read this. Maybe that will prompt some people to read more about the fact that we're inviting them to come to our carol service. I don't know, but we're going to have a 24-hour time of prayer for this. Because, God, we can't do this. 
I haven't got the words. I'm not sure who to go to. I'm not sure if it's going to work any better this year than it did last year. I'm going to put those thoughts out of my mind and I'm going to say this. The gospel is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. And he knows whom he is calling. No man can come to the Father unless Jesus, unless, no man can come to Jesus unless God actually draws him. That's what he says. So how can people come? We're here to help. We're the agents of the gospel. We are not the gospel itself. The gospel belongs to Jesus, and he is the one through whom people will come to salvation. Across Bromley, are there any issues in your own personal life, your own family life that you're dealing with? Financial? Relational? I don't know what sort of complications. You know the sort of things like, oh, yeah, you know them, but not necessarily everybody else knows them. You know those things? Multiply it thousands of times. There's families, there's homes. That from the outside, the front door's painted. Some of the decorations are up already. It all looks nice. They've got a nice clean car in the drive. The garden is cut and kept neat and tidy. So everything looks like everything is together. And yet this is the truth. They don't know forgiveness of their sins. And they don't know and have relationship with God. Which has brought us peace in the midst of the trials that we go through. So here we are thinking like, well, they're not going to want to hear. They're not going to want to respond. And that there's many people now who I've never heard. I've never heard that God loves me and that he has a purpose for my life. I've never heard that he sent his son because he loves me so much to rescue me from my sin. But maybe we can be instrumental in them starting that journey. When the carol concert comes, it's only going to be for about 50 minutes, an hour. You know the sort of structure that our services will have here. We'll have our band leading us. We'll sing some carols together. We'll have some readings. There will be a short five-minute gospel presentation that people will hear that they need forgiveness of their sins and cleansing can only come through Jesus Christ. Because we want people to hear the good news. Because that is the power of God. And it's what brings us joy at Christmas time. We enjoy the celebrations of our families. We enjoy being together. We enjoy the community. We enjoy the food. We enjoy all of those things. But here we also know this. That if he had never sent his son, we would never know rescue from our sins. And the reason that we love Christmas is because we would join with those angels and to say that today a Savior has been born to you and his name is Christ the Lord. That's the truth of what we're celebrating. And we want us to be involved in saying, Lord, what can you do through us? Not just what we can do. There's many things we can think of that we can do, but you know what? That might not produce any fruit, but there's things that only he can do that we can come alongside and be involved with as he does them, that can see the transformation of mums and dads and brothers and sisters and children across Bromley being changed. So there's a lot going on. It's not just Christmas. This is God's time for wanting to reach souls. And so we want to use this opportunity. We want to populate this place with those who come to hear the gospel. So please, this week,
Not only sign yourself up for 24 hours of prayer, and as Charlotte said, oh my goodness, I can't do that. Listen, you can do that. You can do a session because there's people who live next door to you and there's people in your family that you know don't know Jesus. And you may come with all of your concerns and not knowing what to say, and yet this is all you might say in that short time when we have prayer is to say, Lord, have mercy. I haven't a clue how you could do it but I surrender myself that you might use me for your kingdom. Let God in so that he can use you. Work colleagues, it's always a challenge at work, especially if you're working a long way from here. These people, they're not going to come to Bromley Town Church. They still need to hear the good news of Jesus. And you know what? When we share... It does something in heaven because God's saying like, hey, have you seen my son, my daughter? They're talking about me here on earth. Not that we want to big ourselves up, but what we do want to see is we want to see his kingdom come and his will being done. That's what we want to see. So unless we're involved with it, sometimes it's difficult to see that happen. Let's get involved. Give yourself some time. Think about people. As I've been thinking about it this week, because obviously it's been on my mind, I started thinking, do you know what? There is that person I could drop a, a note to. I happened to go to uh, my son's flat, Henry, uh, to drop something off this week. As I'm coming back, I, I saw a guy who lives in the flats who I know. I haven't seen him for years. He's a window cleaner. He actually cleaned Margaret Hilton's windows. That's his claim to fame. <laughs> so I'm talking to him and he said, oh, there's a person I know in your church. You know, you go to church, don't you? And all that sort of stuff, he says to me. He says to me, they invited me to church. So I thought, this is my opportunity to share the gospel with him again, which I stumbled and had an effect, uh, tried to do. It didn't come anywhere. It didn't work out that particular time. But you know what? I know where he lives, and he will get an invitation again, because Margaret's moved now, and he doesn't do her windows anymore. But you see how that's a completely odd type of connection. But these are odd connections. They're not odd connections to God. Because he knows you, he knows who you know, and he knows what you do. And he knows how to use you to connect you to people for his sake. So what I'm just saying is don't panic about, give me my list. Just say, Father, I don't know what you want to do. But I say this to you today. I am willing. Which just identifies the prayer that Jesus said in the garden. He said, I don't want to go through this. I don't want to go to the cross if there's another way. But he came to that point where he says, but nevertheless, not my will, my ideas, my thoughts, my plans, but yours be done. And because he was like that, salvation came to the world. When we become like that, salvation can come to those who are around us too. We're believing for it. Because God is good and he wants people to come into his kingdom. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Bromley Town Church. You are always welcome to visit us on a Sunday morning. Or join us again for more messages here online. You can also stay connected with us at www.bromleytownchurch.com.